you've been looking for a podcast to help you transform your physical and mental one that'll shoot you straight between the eyes with truth and no bs helping you have the right mindset to accomplish things the iron will and fortitude to follow through with what you say you're going to do no excuses Mark owns martial arts schools, and after 30 years, he has some real insight for real talk, real life, real conversations, motivational, fitness, self-defense, weight loss, live from the Great 1-8. This is Real Talk with Mark Cox. Right. Good morning. Good morning, Lizzie. How you doing? Good morning. Good. I am great. Happy you Monday. Look good. Big and nice white teeth smile this morning for a mom <laughs> of a four-year-old, which is awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know, I remember when my kids were four. Now they're 24. <laughs> Let's see. I got I have one that's married. I have one that's married. That's Mikey, my oldest. He's 30, 30, 31. And I have a 26, 24, and my daughter will be 22. My baby will be 22 this year. And wow. then I have a son that I, we took in when he was 12, but he's well into his 40s now, and he's got a good martial arts school out in Idaho doing his thing. Idaho. That's awesome. I know He got out, Idaho. man. He got out of California. <laughs> he was, if I wasn't so entrenched in here, it would be so easy to go. That's why I got snow in the background. See, my this is actually a YouTube channel that I have. It looks like I'm inside a coffee shop with snow. That's coming amazing. Out the I was like, is it snowing where you're yes. at? It's not, but I make it feel like it is. Well, it did here in California. I don't know. Did you guys get cold, uh, unusual cold weather in? It's where been you were? cold. It's been cold here, and and in this last week, it rained a lot too. Yeah, so it did that here. I was uh, in California. We don't really get any kind of snow in L.A., but we got snow in L.A. It was it was uh, quite amazing. I guess oh that global gosh. warming thing is is on a hiatus this year, whatever, <laughs> whatever that is. So, well, I want to give you a quick introduction, Lizzie. You got a small bio that you sent to us, but I want to tell everybody about your past, and we'll talk a little bit about your book and what you do and your nutrition. It's looking forward to this talk. I had my daughter come on because she's been asking about nutrition stuff for her own self. So I told her to chime in today and listen to you. All right. Well, Lizzie's a former Amish girl who chose to jump for a better life and future. Now board certified nutritional practitioner, a personal trainer, an author, a speaker on a mission to make an impact. And that's where I met you. I met you at a book launch. Now, did you were you you were you launching a book or did you just come out to New Jersey for that? How did that come about that you were out there? I I had launched my book in December at an event in DC. That's mm -hmm. that's when I had it launched, and then I got connected to Emilio at the oh. DC event and some of the other people that were in Jersey, and that's why I went to that one um, because mm -hmm. it was another opportunity for me to speak, and that's one of my goals is to speak more as well. So I took that chance. And that's where I saw you. I saw you on stage. We were all kind of on speaker competitions. And then you'd said your life, your life was coming from an, an Amish community and how you got out of that lifestyle. And uh, we were talking a little bit on the phone yesterday. I said, you know, Hollywood has such a different take on what the Amish are than what you than what you grew up in. So let's talk about a little bit about what that was as a child and what made you want to kind of go get out and let's let's talk about how that was what was it like growing up in there what's the good the bad and the ugly of the amish absolutely well there there's a lot of good to it and we'll talk about that um one of the things that you'll learn from me is like whenever i do share my story and my experience like i i do it out of respect as well um because i i, I understand both sides of it but there there is definitely some ugly behind it as well and like you said hollywood makes it look like this like calm serene community and it, it looks ideal from the outside in because it looks peaceful but as i have mentioned before even in my book i write about this like don't be fooled about what goes on behind 
those black curtains and they're literal black curtains um, because there is a lot and there's a lot of suppression specifically of the women we don't have a voice when we're growing up and all of that like the men control um the rules and there's a there's this hierarchy um between the men and women and they the the women just don't have a lot of say in what rules get created within the church um but where i'm from there's all these different orders of homage so if, if you're familiar at all with with any of them you'll see like some are a lot more modernized and some um have computers and phones and they ride their bicycles but where i'm from we weren't allowed any of that stuff it was like the 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 lowest on the podium pole of the different orders of amish communities and i always explain to people it's kind of like think of it as like living in the 1600s where it's like you have no electricity there's no indoor plumbing there's there's no running water and everything is just really really hard work like we weren't allowed to even use tractors or anything like that for farming everything was by horses so like when you're out there plowing the fields and and harvesting everything is with horses and then horse and buggy obviously and we did all our own gardening and um raise our own animals grew up on the farm milk the cows by hand every morning and every night lots of really hard work um and it that i think that there's i know because of the experience that's not a bad experience to have it teaches you a lot of things in life that you're not going to learn if you grow up in the city and i'm very very grateful for that experience because there's a lot of things that i i have carried over into my life now um but the ugly part of that is what goes on inside the community and how the church controls you and the rules that they come up with and the way that they teach you who god is and how he treats you and that this is the only way that you could ever live um and the in the in that part of it is it bible teaching or is it uh an amish spin on what the bible is saying what definitely an amish spin on what the bible is saying so for example like i don't know what your beliefs are but in they talk about jesus and they talk mm -hmm. about the story of jesus in the bible but he's kind of like just another story and oh. and and their their explanation of how you get to heaven is by good works and by being a good person and that's it and if you disobey their rules not the rules that were taught like in the bible or whatever that is it's by the rules of the church so for an example could be like if you're um if you roll your sleeves up too far above your elbows like that's a sin <laughs> <laughs> is it the same as women can't wear pants and all that is that correct yes that's yes uh, yes that's that's you know there's some fundamental churches uh here already just here in the states are they're pretty much the same way uh, you know strong some strong baptist church are the same way so mm -hmm. you're uh, that was interesting to me that the the way to the way to go to heaven is good works when the bible treats you know does teach exactly opposite of that it's the grace of god we get to heaven and yeah. the relationship with Christ. So you, you, it's it's no wonder if it's not Christ-centered that it's going to be kind of chaotic uh, as far as in in that in that world. It's hard to it's hard to preach the Bible and then and then be have um, rules of the world. It's it's kind of weird. Yeah. And, but yeah. So I see that was something I did not know. You know, because it is portrayed that you know you guys are in church and and it is what. It is what it is. So I want to ask you a question. So in, I, you know, as being females, you say they, you know, you don't have quite a voice and stuff like that. See, what was relationships with father and daughters? How was that? I had a really good relationship with my dad. Um, he also passed away when I was 13. So I was really young mm -hmm. and that was a really, really hard time of my life because we were close. Now, for example, like not every dad was my dad. My dad was actually a really, really nice person. And he was a, 
he was a preacher of the church. And one of the things that happened is he, a lot of times when, when someone's a preacher, they, they don't necessarily like them anymore because they come in to like, tell you what you're doing wrong and they look for the wrong that you're doing. But my dad was different and he started to become a favorite of people within the church because he wasn't that person. And he, had, he showed a lot of love and grace to people and he wasn't there to tell them like what they're doing wrong so that's that's who he was and that that's who he got remembered as and i truly believe that he had christ-like love in his heart because that's how he treated people so the relationship between me and my dad was really really close and i know that he's in heaven and i know that he's he is cheering me on now because of what i know now but I can't really speak for a lot of other like daughter father relationships other than there's a lot of abuse that happens within the community. And so I know that that those things happen a lot between fathers and daughters as well. Yeah, that's well, that's awesome that at least you had that that relationship. I, I thought about some of the stuff after we got off. Because I know that that part of what you talked about, and I didn't know that your father passed as a, as a young as a young lady, and I am sure your dad is is cheering you on. My daughter is what changed me. You know, I'm pretty hardcore. I mean, you around me for a minute, you you can tell I'm kind of a no nonsense guy. You know, I got a big old heart, but I'm a big old teddy bear. But I'm a no nonsense type of guy, and had raising sons, and bam, my daughter comes along and completely. I had to change. I had to change everything. I'm like, you know, my sons like pop off, you know, it's like, man, you better watch your mouth or, you know, but my daughter, you know, we have to talk about things and you know, <laughs> this, we, you know, there's a lot of tears and, uh, you know, what's wrong. I don't know. And I'm like, I can't fix nothing. I don't want nothing fixed. I'm like, Oh my goodness. So, <laughs> It was definitely, it was definitely something that changed me as, as a, as a man for sure is, yeah. is my daughter a hundred percent. So I really, uh, I really, I, I treasure that because without it, it would be so hard. You know what I mean? It's so oh, hard. Yeah. It's crazy look what my, kids do to you. Uh, look at Michael Faber's on, you know, hey, Mike. Michael, I do know Michael. He's a cool yeah, cat, isn't he? He's a cool cat. I like him. I do want to. I do want to grapple with him though. The uh, <laughs> I tell him that all the time. So I want to. I want to see what it was like. You know, I I listened to a lot of what you're saying right there. And as far as you know, it, it's funny because I am a Christian. I'm a I'm a strong Christian too. If you read my book, you know that I started my martial arts school at a church. I don't know if you know that as a ministry. I started I teaching martial that. arts as a ministry at my church. It was myself and my brother. My brother now, he, he's got a master's degree in apologetics. He was a pastor of our our one church here for many, many years. Right now he works with Zoe, which is human trafficking uh, mm. here. This is what my brother's been a police officer uh, for uh, the last 28 years, also a reserve officer. So, And he runs the human trafficking side of, you know, Zoe. And he, so we started this together, three of us did, and this is where I started, but I'm telling you, listening to what you're saying, just as a, as a Christian guy, right? I, the church does the same thing, man. It's not just the Amish, man. Christians have a way of being super judgmental. I, I've, mm -hmm. it's super, you, you know, I could even remember back in the day kind of getting in, in that, right? We're, we're, we're looking at all this, you know, what, what they did or, you know, it's always like, I can't believe he's doing that. Or, you know, I, I mean, you know, God's pretty clear, you know, you, you can talk about others when you take the plank out of your eye, you know? So it's not just in the Amish community that that happens, you know? No. And it's a huge turnoff to people when they come to the church, you find the right church that meets you where you're at and let God do his work. I mean, that's the way it has to be. And even that's hard. Our church now that, you know, there might be some things you didn't know about me, but 
uh, one of my black belts has a church out here, but it started in my studio. We started the church in my karate studio. And then he was able to go next door to the bar because I have a bar right next to me. And he negotiated to be able to preach on Sunday mornings at the bar. And then the kids program was here at the church. Wow. And then, of course, it grew to go into a school to eventually they have a big building and feeding thousands of people that are homeless. And you get that you get that kind of um, element that comes to your church. It's really easy to be judgmental. You know, I find myself doing it all the time. You know, I'm kind of, I'm head of security at my church. So I'm always looking through a different lens. You know what I mean? I'm always looking through some kind of cop lens. And, and so it's hard to have that loving. So even though I, I hear what you're saying on that, I, I feel the same thing. So those that are listening that know what I'm talking about, and I talk to my Christian brothers and sisters all the time. I said, we need to know how to have a little bit of Jesus. You know what I mean? He was Jesus was awesome, mm-hmm. man, because he went against yep. the grain, didn't care, and hung out with the pretty much the scumbags of society. He didn't really care about it, you know. He was at, he was after the those that that needed him, not not after those that wanted to be, uh, you know, the religious zealots of the time. So, well, and I, I always tell people like, there's there's a difference between being religious, and I can smell and see religion from a mile away because i i grew up in it <laughs> so right yes ma'am. There's, there's, mm-hmm. there's a difference between that and your relationship with god and the spiritual side of things and you're absolutely right about what jesus did yes he went and he hung out with them and he loved them no matter what and yes, that's what was, we're supposed to do right it was good well i'm glad you know i think you're right too i think the well, I'm listening to you talk about having to get up in the morning and hard work and all that kind of stuff. It is such the opposite of what I see today, right? Mm-hmm. And of, you know, people, you know, I, I was, this just happened here. I've got people that own schools now, right? That That's what I do, right? If they want to own a martial arts school, I'm going to teach them how to make money in the martial arts. And keep the integrity of the art strong and, and be a good service of, of the, of, of your people and be able to have the door stay open. So you can change lives in the community by the thousands. This is what I, this is what I've done. This is what I've learned. But on the same token, they just don't want to work, man. I'm telling you, I said, you know, guys, I said, when I opened up my school, man, it was me. I was doing pools. I was up at 6am cleaning pools until two. And then I came to my business. I taught every class. I, I, I sold every, every uh, program. And so I think the work ethic, probably what you learned there is what's going to fast forward you as an entrepreneur. There's just no way that it can't. Because I even tell my own son, the worst thing that ever happened for you, son, is that I built this thing to be successful. And you didn't have you get to come in and ride the success wave. You didn't have to climb the mountain to make it. thousand percent. So I would say that I would imagine you would agree that that is probably something the work ethic that you learned being on, on in the Amish has to be something that has has propelled you forward. Absolutely. I it's the one thing that I know that I'm extremely grateful for because here's the thing. When we when I was growing up, it wasn't a matter of when we do the work, it was a matter of getting it done. So when we were, when, what was expected each day other than a Sunday, Sunday was rest day, but Monday through Saturday, it was work day. And we did get to play a little bit, but it was like work before play. And Mm -hmm. so when you, when you got up in the morning, it was just what you did. You followed through, you took action. You didn't question. We didn't go, oh, I don't feel like doing that. So I'm going to go like watch a movie or a show because I don't feel like doing it. I don't feel like getting up. So I'm going to sleep in today. No, actually, the cows are waiting in the barn and they need to be milked because there's milk to be gathered because we need to sell the milk to make money and we need milk to provide for the family. So the discipline and the follow through is what you learn. You just do. And so I explain it in this way. Is I, I see that all the time in in the entrepreneur world, specifically where where people say, hey, I want to build this amazing thing. I want to create financial freedom. I want to have my business thriving. But they're not willing to put the things in place and do the work and get up and be accountable to themselves 
Because if you're an entrepreneur and you have a business, you have to be accountable to yourself. And yeah. you have to say, all right, yes, ma'am, mm -hmm. I got to get up and it, it is up to me to do it. And so in that field, like you can't say, I'm going to just do it tomorrow. I'm going to push it off. I'm going to do it tomorrow. You're going to have to be disciplined enough to follow through with it. And, you know, I had someone ask me recently, like, what, what made you be able to create and do what you've done and where you're at now? And I said, in the beginning, it was oblivion. Like I was actually oblivious to some of the things that actually go on in the world and what may hold me back and all the what ifs, because I, if I aligned myself and I did with the right people that were willing to help me and show me, and they said, no, this is what you need to do. I said, okay. And I go and do it. And it's that follow through and trusting like whoever is trying to help you is putting things in place and you just say, all right, they told me that this is what I need to do to set myself up and to be successful. These are the steps to take. And if you follow through with it, it's going to work. And so it's that follow through. But like I said, you have to be accountable to yourself. Yes, ma'am. I think that for sure that's something that that is, you know, and I listen to it because I'm I'm at fault in this in my own children's life, not wanting them to have to work as hard as what I did. It's probably a mistake, you know. So I decided that, you know, when I was young, I was 18. Now, I wasn't going to college. So my folks for my 18th birthday gave me keys to an apartment and said, your first month is paid. Good luck, because if you're not going to school. You're out on your own. And so I was, so I've been out on my own since I was 18 years old and, you know, and I was in this workforce and I just was not in a happy, in a happy place. And I, and I knew that I had to change my life, but I didn't have these, I didn't have these uh, mentors that I needed. So you're a coach also. So from one coach to another, I know that is frustrations. I mean, people come to me quite often for a magic formula or a magic pill, or how do we do this? And I said, you know, everybody's motivated in the morning. Self-discipline happens right around noon when you want to either A, eat what you're not supposed to, take a nap, lay off, or feel like you're done for the day and waiting for the weekend, you know? And so, and that's one of the reasons I do a, a podcast on Mondays because I, I look for, I can't wait for Mondays. I look forward to it. It's the first thing I do in the morning. I get to talk to people and I get to share these stories and, and with all my, with all my followers and, we get to learn something. So it's Monday. It's awesome for me to do on Mondays. And that's one of the reasons I did it. So that's how I begin my week. But as a coach, I don't know. How do you, how, how are you when you're coaching? What do you, you mainly coach? Are you coaching both men and women? Do you focus on women? What does your coaching do? Who do you work Absolutely. with the most? I primarily work with women. I do, I do work with some men here and there, but my, my main focus is women um, and I work in the functional, I'm also a personal trainer. So I, that's actually where I started as mm -hmm. a personal trainer. And then I, I continued my education into holistic health and then functional nutrition. So, um, I focus in on the hormones and the thyroid, but what everybody wants when they come to me is they want more energy and they want to be able to sleep better and they want to understand how to fuel and nourish their body in a way that doesn't require them to go on a diet, like going back to the basics. And I teach them like, you don't need to go on a diet in order to be healthy. In fact, most diets will actually make you more sick and more confused. And so what I'm going to do is teach you how to go back to the basics of how do you really fuel and nourish your body with a balanced approach of you know, your protein and your carbs and your, your fats and getting fruits and veggies in and just going back to the basics of that. And, and then making sure that when we are looking at hormones and stuff like that, like I'm able to do lab work. And so we look at that stuff and look at like what's really going on on the root cause of the issues of why they're feeling the way that they are. Um, and yeah. that allows us to enhance their plan from there. So, <clears throat> 
that's so when you say functional nutrition, let's 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 jump into that real quick. What what do you mean by functional nutrition? It's almost like functional fitness, right? Yeah. I, I tell everybody as a you know, I've been an avid weightlifter since I've been like 13 years old, right? And it's just something I like to do. And then I power lifted for a long time, which is the worst thing ever, right? Because I thought it was so cool to uh, you know, bench press, you know, 500 pounds and uh, squat, you know, uh, 600 pounds. I, and you know, you didn't care about diets. You just cared about how big and, and, and you can get to lift heavy things, which turns out to be now my knees suck. My joints are all jacked and I didn't have functional fitness. Now I went into the martial arts world and I've told my own son, I said, the biggest mistakes I made is not being functional fitness, being able to, you know, pull off pull-ups and, and stuff like that as a martial artist, being able to have the core so that you can, you know, you move faster, have, you know, your twitch muscles are good. I just happened to be one of these fat athletes. I don't know why it's just what I was. Uh, I played football. I could always do the splits. And then I got into martial arts and I was just really quick for a big dude. And I could fight. Wow. And, and I don't know why. Uh, and I told you before that I, I had lost, you know, in 2017, if you see some pictures of me, I mean, I was really big at that time. And I lost 100 pounds and I lost it on on the keto diet is what I did. <clears throat> I completely changed. I cut out sugar. I haven't had sugar in years, right? I very rarely have sugar. I mean, I'm, I'm really, uh, you know. A matter of fact, sometimes even sugar substitute is too sweet for me these days. Mm, yeah. You know, it's hard for me to even have sugar substitutes because it, it, it's so it's so potent in in on my palate now. But that's what I went after, and it really worked well for me. Uh, the keto diet. I did intermittent fasting, and then I, you know, I had a keto diet, and then I had lost a hundred and hundred and seven pounds is what I lost. Right, Amazing. I could still lose another sixty pounds to be honest with you, and. You know, and I'm I'm 60, I'm 61. So, you know, losing weight is not an easy thing when you get older. It's just not. I don't know why. It's just and I've always I've always been plagued with it. So when you're talking about functional fitness, let's talk about what that looks like. What does that mean? Yeah, it can it, it can also look differently for different people. But really what we focus on is getting down to the, the root cause of, of the issues that people are having. So for an example would be um, if someone has hypothyroidism, which is something that a lot of people have, but when you go to the doctor and they diagnose you with hypothyroidism, they, they're only looking for the diagnosis. They're not looking at why is it that the thyroid isn't actually functioning the way that it should. And the connection to that can be various different things but your liver and your cholesterol and your gut health, like all of those things are connected to your thyroid. And so what in the functional field, what we do is we, we look a lot deeper. Okay, so if, if the thyroid's not functioning properly, what is the liver doing? Chances are the cholesterol is not doing very well either. And then what is the gut doing and what are those inflammatory markers? Because the body is really, really smart. It's always going to be working on bringing things back into homeostasis. And when it's focusing on bringing things into homeostasis, most of, most of the women that come to me, they are doing some of the right things as far as like making sure they're, they're not, they're in a calorie deficit and they're exercising, but they, they can't lose weight and they don't feel good and they're tired all the time. That's a recipe of like something much deeper is going on and we need to figure out what that is. And so we look at the root cause of things and what is the body deficient in and what is it that we need to bring into sufficiency? Mm. So at which you know, as we speak about this, I believe that holistically, I, I believe that our Western medicine never addresses this. Not one doctor could help me lose weight. I had to find all this out on my own. And mm -hmm. for some reason, the ketogenic diet is something that worked for me. Yeah. And sometimes some people have a hard time on it. And, you know, 
I I liked it because I could monitor myself. So I'd monitor my blood every day to see where I'm at. Right. I'd look at my glucose in the morning and where my ketones were. It would let me know if am I in in ketosis or am I not? And it just doesn't lie. You are either in ketosis or you're not because based on what you're eating and the lower carbohydrates and stuff like that. So, but I know that, I know that it's so frustrating for people. I mean, I feel for them every time, um, they have this. I want to ask you about the Amish now. How how healthy was their diets? It seems to be you kind of eat off the land or what it was. Is that something that was or do they just work so hard? It doesn't really matter what the freak you eat. That's what that what's you know what I'm well, saying? Let's let's uh, let's talk about a couple different things or there's there's two things. One is you can't necessarily outwork a bad diet. So well, that is you, true. yeah, that is hundred percent true. Yes, so, ma'am. So so even if you work really really hard, which I've seen people do this, um, but your diet is terrible, it doesn't always necessarily mean that it's going to make you gain a lot of weight. But that doesn't mean that your health internally is good. So as far as fighting diseases and making sure that you're not getting sick on the inside. Even if you work hard, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're healthy. And then the second piece to that is you would think that they're healthy because do grow our own animals, do grow our own, have our own vegetable gardens. And my parents had an orchard, so we had our own fruit, but, and, and we should like, we should be healthy, but how they preserve their foods and how they cook their foods. So there's lots and lots of sugar. So for an example, we preserved our own meats and fruits and vegetables. So fruits and vegetables, we preserved and canned them in the And the way that we would do that is you take, let's just take like a quart of peaches, for example. If you have a quart of peaches and we want to preserve that, we put a half a cup of white sugar in it and then water, and then you preserve it by, um, uh, I think it's called cold cooking or pressure cooking it so that it seals. There's so much sugar in there that the water gets syrupy. So it's just pure syrup. So there's a lot of sugar like that. And then they fry a lot of their food with butter and flour and that kind of stuff. And butter is good for you if you use it the right way and if it's good quality butter. But a lot of fried foods, a lot of heavy foods. And then we would, we would bake fresh bread every single week we would bake pies every week we have cookies and cakes <laughs> and like all of those things so lots of sugar and lots of fried foods amazing so you would once again it's one of those things that you look like well these guys got to be i mean they're got to be healthy as a horse because uh they you know all they do is get up at the crack of dawn you know grow their own food eat their own things and it's 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 quite not what it is on the on the outside. Now, have you, is fitness been something that you always have had or is fitness something that once you, well, how old are you when you left? Let's talk about how you left real quick. Yeah. So I was 19 when I left and, um, I'm going to back it up just a couple years. I have a twin sister and, um, I have 18 siblings as well. So when my twin and I were 17, we ran away for two days. We were the first ones in the uh, family that to run away. So we we left. And when someone leaves from that community, it's it's they mourn you as if you died. It's that bad. And so two days in, my twin was like, I can't do this. I don't want to do this because our, our dad wasn't there anymore. So it was my mom with 18 kids at home. And she well, I think maybe by then there was a couple of them married. I can't remember. But she felt like she could not do that to our mother. And so we went back home and every part of me knew that I didn't belong there and I didn't want to be there. But I went back because I felt obligated because she went back. So um, I told her the following day, I said, listen, I'm not I'm not going to stay here. I will leave again eventually. And she says, I'm not staying either. But she's still there and she has 10 or 11 kids. So she stayed there. And so two years went by and I ended up becoming a member of the church. I got baptized in the church. I was a member, which then also meant they had more control over me. And this entire time I'm thinking, I know I don't belong here. I just 
I just didn't know how it was going to get out. There was no plan. I didn't, I didn't know. And I, I was also at that point in time, by the time I was 19, I was dating a guy from New York and I lived in Ohio. So, and, and we would only see each other like a couple times a year. Other, other than that, like we would write letters to each other. Ah, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> there was no phone call. There was no texting. <laughs> it was writing letters, like the good old days. That's correct. And, and so, when I was nineteen, at this time when I left, I was working at my oldest sister's house. She had just had a baby. I was there helping her out, and it was my turn to deliver a letter to the mailbox for my boyfriend in New York. So I go to deliver the letter, and when I get to the mailbox, there's a note in the mailbox from him addressed to me that um, said, hey, my sister and I and her boyfriend drove down from New York yesterday. We left the Amish. We ran away. If you want to leave, we'll come by here tonight at 10 p.m. and we'll pick you up. And this I snapped movie. my See, fingers. This is like a movie. <laughs> and that's what you did. That's how you left. That's how I left. I, nope. I, I snapped my fingers like a second and I said, I'm leaving. I didn't even question it. Now, mind you, at this point in time, I also knew that my twin sister was planning on getting married six months later. And so I had from noon until evening to figure out how I'm going to leave. Do I tell anybody? And the next thought was, all right, she's getting married in six months. Do I wait to leave until she gets married so I can be at her wedding? Or do I leave knowing that this is my way out? And I knew that if I stayed six more months, that the chances are very high that I would never leave. So it was, to me, it was my only way out. And that's it. That's never look back. Is that who you married? No. Okay. So that, so you, 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 that's not who you married, but that's how you got out. That's correct. Yep. I had someone ask me that question. Everybody asked me that is he the guy that you married? And I say, no, but he did play his part. He played his part in helping me get out. And did he stay out? He did. Yes. So everybody's out. You know, everybody's going to want to ask this before I get to your book. Do you get to see your mom? Do you get to see your siblings? How does that work? Yes. So my mom lives in Ohio. I, I live in Arizona. When I lived in Ohio, I... Um, I would go see her every few months and it, it took a while to get to a place of, of her being okay. But now I, I typically go back to Ohio once a year and I'll go see her as far as my, there's four of us that left and we'll, we see each other, we talk, but as far as any of my siblings that are still in the Amish community, I rarely ever see any of them. I haven't seen my twin sister and, over 10 years. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Now, so you say they have, you know, your sister has 10 kids or what does that look like? Do they, does she have, does she have one husband? Is that, is that how the families go? Is that correct? Yeah. 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 Yep. One That's husband, one, one, one husband mm-hmm. and a lot of yep. kids and a lot of kids. <laughs> yep. <That's, laughs> is it your twin, your twin sister? Do you get to speak with her? Or do you and just not see her or you haven't even got to speak with her? I haven't spoken with her in over 10 years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah that's, that's hard. That's hard. Well, then again, we could have siblings and not speak to them right next door to each other, to be honest with you. Absolutely. I keep trying to tell my own kids that, you know, they're always fighting with each other. I said, let me tell you something, man, you better be lucky you have each other. Cause when, when push comes to shove, that's all you got. Yep. So that's good. Well, let's talk about your book. Let's, let's why don't you tell everybody what your book is called? Yes, my book is called Escaping My Reflection, A Pilgrimage from Suppression to Freedom. And what I do in that book is take you on a journey from when I was in the community to what led me up to leaving and what that entire process was leaving. Because when I finally did leave, I actually jumped off a 15-foot roof. So you get to read about that in the book and what that whole process was like and then the journey beyond jumping off the roof and leaving because when i left i had twenty dollars in my pocket i had no social security number 
and no job. I didn't know where I was going to live. And so I figured out how to move forward from there. So you, so you left with no money in your pocket. Is that correct? $20, 20 bucks. Yep. And you made it happen. I made it happen. Well, that's, that's, that's <laughs> what's going to make you a success here today. I can tell you that. So the best thing my folks did for me is put me on a path to be on my own. You know, they didn't call them yeah. or nothing, put me on my own and, and, uh, you know, forced me to get after it, which I did. You know, I, I super thankful for that for sure. So on your book, I just ordered it last night, by the way, I, I ordered it off your awesome. website. So, yes. Awesome. So I ordered it last night. I'm looking forward to reading that. I'm on 75 hard right now. I'm reading up from slavery, which is Booker T. Washington's book. Have you read that book? I have not. Oh my goodness. This is a good book. I am up I'm from really slavery up from slavery. And this is wow. you, you will relate to him really well. Uh, if you have not read the book, you don't hear much about, you know, I'm, I'm always surprised you don't hear much about it, but his leadership qualities and how he got out of, cause he was, you know, he, he was during slavery and then he was there when the emancipation happened and his life and what he did. And he talks a lot about, you know, the hard work and what it, what it was. But if you haven't read the book up from slavery, I would, I would super encourage that. So you, you'll relate to him really well based on, on the stories that I'm hearing from you. So I'm looking forward to getting your book. And I next once I read your book, then we'll have you back on because then we're just going to talk about the book because I'll, I'll have questions. I'll, I'll mark up the book and have questions on it. I wish I could talk to Booker wow. T. Washington, but he died in 1978. So, oh. <laughs> so, uh, but he was definitely... Definitely something I I've, I've told everybody, you got to read this book, you know, and funny thing is I listened to it on a podcast first. Jocko had it on his podcast. He does these books and where he goes through the book and then he talks about the book, right. As he's going through the book, I've yeah. always wanted to do that with, with guests. So that's on my second half of this year, we're going to take all these authors and books that I read and we're going to have you back on and we're going to go over that book. Awesome. So those of you guys are listening. If you haven't, this is right here is this is your website right here that you have mm -hmm. on, right by your name, right? Lizzie Yeah. Lizzie If you guys don't see, if you guys are only hearing this on audio, it's L I Z Z I E E N S.com. Okay. If you guys are on audio, cause once, once uh, all our podcasts go audio, I'll make sure that uh, people have that information on my website also for you awesome. once it goes uh, audio. Okay. So let's, let's go into the nutrition part. Now, now the, now you've wrote the book. What made you get into the fitness side? of of what you're doing because you say you're a fitness coach and and a nutritional right mm -hmm. so you're a personal trainer let's talk about the fitness journey Let, let's talk about how that came about have you always been pretty fit have you is this something that you always have been or is this something that you learned something that i learned um when i was still at home i because i have a twin sister um i I got bullied for my weight. No, I wasn't obese or anything like that. But when you're a twin, you automatically get compared. And I, I was always the bigger one out of the two of us. I was bigger when we were born. And um, I was slightly overweight in my early like years into my early teenage years. And because of that, I, I got bullied a lot. And so in my early, early teenage years, I decided to change that and I went into extremely unhealthy eating habits of like starving myself and doing all kinds of things to try to shrink my body and make myself as small as possible. And it became this competition between my twin and I. And finally I got to this place of, oh wow, I finally weigh less than you do and I'm smaller. And I would make myself physically make myself smaller when I was sitting in chairs because I wanted to look smaller. I curl myself up to make myself look smaller. So it, I created this incredibly unhealthy relationship with myself and my body, Extreme, un, extremely unhealthy, which also led to a lot of um, health problems it, when I was like 16 or 17. I had a lot of health issues that my mom like didn't know how to help me. And eventually I got out of that. And then when I left, 
I uh, got introduced to fast food and microwave foods <laughs> and lean cuisines and like all kinds. I'm like, this is amazing. I don't have to cook. And all of a sudden, 10, 20 pounds later, I'm like, this isn't working either. And <laughs> so, so from there, I got introduced to dieting. Like I remember working, I actually worked at a, at a nursing home as a, as a nurse's aide for five and a half years. And while I worked there, I got introduced to different kinds of extreme dieting from coworkers. So I would jump on these diets and like quickly lose some weight. And then when I would get off the diets, I would gain the weight back or still have an extremely unhealthy relationship with myself and food. And so eventually I got introduced to running and I was cleaning house for this lady and she was a marathon runner. So she introduced me to running and that's, that was the beginning of me getting into fitness. And <clears throat> during this same time, I decided to go study for my GED. And when I was studying for my GED, my, my teacher was so amazing. And she was the first person ever in my life to go, Lizzie, what do you do? What do you want to do with your life? What goals do you have? What is it in the future that you would like to do? Do you want to study something? Do you, what do, what do you want to do? And I had never been asked that question before. It's not something that we were asked when we were growing up. So mm. at that point in time, when she asked me that I couldn't answer her, I didn't know what I would want to do. And then I remember I, I was working at this nursing home. I was in a patient's room and caring for her. And I, I had my back turned towards the TV and this commercial comes on and they're talking about nutrition. And for some reason, as soon as I heard the word, I turned around and I, I looked at the commercial and I pointed at the TV and I said, that's what I'm going to do one day. Uh -huh. Good. And that was, that was, that was the beginning. I, I still remember that. I didn't know how impactful that moment was going to be. And now I realize. So from there, I, um, I eventually studied for personal trainer training and that's where I started in, in that field. And when I became a personal trainer within the first year, I started to realize there's so much more to health than going to the gym and working out. And there's a missing piece here. So I started to study nutrition from there. So let me ask you in your, in your coaching and especially with females, <clears throat> do you help them mentally? Are you able to kind of get into their, uh, you know, to their psyche of what it is? Cause listening to you, most, most fat people were bullied. I don't know any, I don't know any that were not including my sons. And then it's, you know, bullying comes in different forms, right? It comes right straight, like making fun of you. This happened to me. This is why I kind of am the way I am. I've told this story before. The reason I am the way I am is because of being bullied. And I wasn't a jolly ollie fat guy. I was the guy that would punch you in the face. To, uh, And I realized when I was younger, you know, this started probably in ninth grade. Just like you, I wasn't I wasn't obese by any means. But, you know, I don't know. I was just always made fun of. It used to piss me off, man. And so... You know, I figured out when I was young, I said, boy, if I punch you in the face, you just keep your mouth shut. And so that's <laughs> uh, that's, you know, you almost come on. Uh, you almost become a bully yourself, to be honest with you, because you're so well, you freaking kinda, enraged. You know, yeah. what I mean? you also kind of like the way that I see that I've done for myself, you, you almost become a bully to yourself, because what I would do is go the opposite direction and say, well, if you tell me that I'm fat or whatever, um, I'm going to prove to you that I'm not. So I'm going to go completely the opposite direction and prove to you that I'm not. That's yes. Not isn't it? It's I, I, there's such a synergy with that because, <clears throat> you know, I shared a little bit about my own sons, right? My son, Michael, my oldest boy, he also lost a hundred pounds. You wouldn't even know it. You know, he, he wow. weighs 145 pounds right now. Right. Wow. And he's just, uh, you know, he completely changed his life. You know, he was bullied uh, big time. My son, Daniel, I hear that you say that running, you came into running. Daniel, my one boy, uh, he's my uh, youngest son. He was, he was, um, he was also fat. He was so bullied in high school. And, and you find that even family, 
um, kind of, you know, they, I don't know, I guess it's, it's bullying in its own way, right? Family always kind of, there's always something said, or there's always something, or, or you, you know, Oh, did you gain weight or did, I mean, it's always something, right? It's not, how's your day or anything like that. It's just like weight comes into play all the time. So I said to Danny, I told you before, I think Daniel started throwing up as a, as a, a bulimic and you just don't hear men doing that. You know, my son's the one, my other son's the one that brought it to me when he first did it. And, you know, we try to find help for, for Daniel. It's very hard to find help for men, you know, because men are just not supposed to be doing that, but he became a runner. I mean, he runs like the wind now he's been in, you know, he's, he's lost all his weight too. He's, you know, he's even smaller than my oldest boy. And so, and he loves to run. It, it's what, it's it's where he's trying to enjoy his food now, but and, mm-hmm. and by running is what he feels is where he's at as far as mm-hmm. you know. And if he doesn't, he's just obsessed with running as he was probably with dieting. To be honest with you, wow. you know, it's like if he doesn't do it, he's like he's freaking out. And so because that's what probably helped him lose and keep his weight off. So you know, listen to you say you went through bullying and stuff like that. It's it's such a a prevalent thing. You know, people are brutal anyway and sometimes it's your own family it's the most brutal to be honest with you and so you know i get all that too because that's that's in my world that's in my wheelhouse and so listening to you say it and i really feel for females you know females that have to go through it it's even more brutal for them you know a guy can be kind of overweight and stuff like that and still have this uh you know this macho-ness to him you know that weightlifter you know he's tatted up or whatever and it's not as prevalent, but when a female does it, it's just, it, it's, it's hard. I feel for them. I have it here all the time. I'm very conscious of people that come into a studio that feel like they, you know, they, they want to change their life, but they, just, they don't, I always hear it all the time. I'm sure you hear the same thing. I got to get in shape before I come and take class. No, man, mm. you got to come to class. And let the process happen. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to be in a safe place. You don't have to be worried about being judged in the studio, you know, because, you know, I, I take all them under my hands. Michael's the same way just because we've had these issues of weight. And I've had a lot of people here with it wanting to have surgeries or whatever they want to want to do. And it's hard. It's hard. It's, it's hard. It's, it's heart wrenching. Even when I heard that, that that's what you that's what you had to go through. Right. A comparison to your sister all the time or or what it was. And it's, but it's good. I, I also, uh, you know, I have to applaud you on the same token because I, you know, a lot of trainers don't know what it's like to be fat, right? Mm-hmm. I could not stand being with some trainers sometimes and they say, well, you just got to do this or it's, it's, it's easy as this. And it's okay. Have you had to do that? No, you just had these natural genetics and you look like a freak, you know what I mean? A freak of nature, but you don't know what this is or what I've gone through here and what it does to me mentally. Yeah. And it, and I don't know, I don't, I don't know how much is it mental when you're coaching as it is, as it is, uh, you know, as it is for what they have to do physical part. Right. I mean, how much mental coaching are you, are you having? Oh man, it's, it's a lot. Um, and I want to, I want to talk a little bit about what you were saying about someone that has, that is a trainer and they've never actually experienced like being overweight or obese or anything like that. I can almost guarantee you that most of them still don't have a healthy relationship with themselves because Uh, they haven't, they haven't had to go in here. That's an interesting take. Yes, Mm ma'am. And, um, and I can say that because I'll follow up with, with something on that, but I, I talk about these specific things with my clients all the time. I tell them, listen, it doesn't matter how much weight you lose. If none of this stuff over here gets taken care of, you could go lose a hundred pounds and still feel like shit about yourself. Mm -hmm. And your energy could still be completely in the pits. You're not sleeping and you don't have a healthy relationship with food. And so in order to make this over here last, if you want to lose, you know, 50 or 100 pounds or whatever that is, we have to work on these things over here. And one of those things is the relationship that you have with yourself as well. Shoot, I recently had, I have a coach myself. And he asked me recently, he goes, Lizzie, if I were to snap my finger right now 
and you were to gain 50 pounds, what would you do? And my first response, which is something that I've learned to do is say what first comes up. I said, I make you disappear off that soon screen. And he's like, ah, ah, I got you. Now I understand. And it made me realize, like, there's certain parts of me that hadn't healed yet. That I still didn't love myself enough to be okay. Like, God forbid something happened. Let's say, you know, I got laid up or whatever it would be. And something like that were to happen. Would I still be okay with myself? Would I still love myself? Would I still speak kindly to myself? Because that is part of the journey as well. Is you? It's it's the same idea as like if you're not in a relationship and you're like, oh, if I just get into a relationship, I'll be happy. But the reality is, is you have to be okay with yourself and you have to be happy being with yourself and being alone without the other person coming in. That doesn't mean that they can't enhance your life and make your life better. But like you have to be okay with the relationship that you have with yourself. And that's the piece that a lot of people miss is that who are you really? Mm. And are you happy with who you are? And would you want to be in a relationship with yourself? Uh, it's interesting. Really good take. Really good take. Yeah, that's interesting. It's interesting that you have a coach for yourself, too. I think that that's, uh, yeah, that speaks volumes, too. You know, people need, you know, I have mentors and coaches, you know. I don't speak a lot about this stuff, too, but it's, there's stuff that I still deal with this on a daily, just so you know. I mean, I know what, when somebody comes into the karate studio, I am not your typical looking karate guy, okay? I'm not the... Uh, you know, I'm not the I'm not the typical until you have to work out with me. And then there people are like, wait a minute, you know, <laughs> uh, you really move quick for a big guy. And I'm older on top of it. Right. So now I'm the old guy. Right. I'm the old junkyard dog. But I just fitness has always been something that I've enjoyed. I've enjoyed lifting weights forever. I just I've always liked it. It's just I can put radios on and I like hearing the the weights clang. Mm-hmm. and everything about that it just it's just something that i enjoy so i think it's it's awesome that that you 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 have that i'm i'm glad to hear that you have a a, a coaching so if you guys are listening out there especially on my, on my followers looking for a coach that has always been there and done that here's the thing right i tell everybody this all the time if you want to have success in business don't go ask somebody that's broke okay mm-hmm. so if you want to have success in 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 a martial arts school, go to the ones that have a martial arts school that is successful. If you want to lose weight, go to people that's done it, you know, just the same as, as what you, what you say here, you know, but I've also found even through my coaching, I don't know, tell me, maybe, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll get a little advice from you as a coach, right? How many people have you told what to do? <laughs> I've done this so many times that it gets, I want things more than they want it themselves. And so they just they, they they want to talk, but they don't want to do, right? Mm-hmm. They want yep. to talk about everything, and they want to get this all off their chest, and they and it makes them feel better for the moment, but they don't want to do the work that you, you're telling them to do. Have you ran into that? Of course. Um, I, it doesn't happen a lot, but one of the things that I tell them is I it's my job to educate them, and it is my job to show them, but it is up to them to follow through and do the work because I cannot do that part for them. So I'm there to coach them, teach them, show them, but I cannot do. So that piece is up to them. But the way that I structure my coaching is we're not going to do everything at one time. We're going to go a step-by-step process. And I'm going to start you out with one to three things that you're going to be focusing on and starting out. So if someone has not exercise in a long time or has never exercised, guess what their first part of movement is? It's walking. Right. And they got to get into the habit of a daily 30-minute walk. And most everybody that starts doing that, they start to love it because it's part of like their daily routine now. And I, I teach on lifestyle. How do we create something that is a lifestyle that's sustainable for you 
and that works with your work schedule, works with your kids schedule, like whatever that is. But we have to create something that you can continue on doing beyond working with me. Yes, I, I 100%. So what you're trying to do is coach them past you is what you're trying to mm -hmm. do. We're yep. trying to coach you so you don't need to call me. You need to, which where you're trying to coach them to become the coach one day is what I try and tell everybody, right? Okay, I want to take you up to this point. Pretty soon, you're going to be taking people up to that point and beyond because you're going to you're going to learn what it is that you you want to do. So I think that's your powerful coach, man. It's it's right on the money, man. I, I love hearing everything that you that that you talk about here. I think that uh, those that are are looking for somebody and you know you come from a you come from this background that you that's super unique, right? You got the goods and bads of you got the good, the bad, the ugly out of it, right? You've got this the self-discipline that you've learned from hard work and then you've uh, escaped as a young person. So you've had to do it on your own and then you've, you've conquered stuff that that's in your life. And then now you're here coaching, coaching others to do the same thing. Sometimes Lizzie, I tell you, we're in the such in the middle of what we do that we don't really take a step back and look what we've, where we've came from to where we are because we're always kind of working on ourselves. So I feel that you're probably that same way. I can I can just kind of feel the vibe from you. So I thought I'd give you a little bit of kudos from me that, you know, listening to you speak, it's super motivating. And I think that you have great things coming in the future. And, and those that are looking for you, I, I'm sure you can do everything over Zoom and everything else. It's not something you can't do your consultations, you know, and everything's this, virtual. Yes, that's awesome. Right. That's the one thing that that we've uh, that we've. Uh, came over that that from zoom you know from covid that's the one good thing about zoom is we'll be able to really just like us, us talking you're in uh, arizona i'm here in california i've had people out in south africa on 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 my mm -hmm. on my show right which is awesome on the same yep. token it sucks you know what i mean <laughs> you know <laughs> i remember going oh my gosh i, I got to teach another zoom class today and i've got 30 kids on the thing and i'm I don't have them in front of me where I can have that command presence. Right. And you got the mom in the background cooking food and the dog <laughs> jumping in the, I was like, Oh my goodness, this is, I had, it took so much energy when I was teaching zoom classes, martial arts. I was like, I was wiped out. We had to take shifts, the instructors, because we can teach one class and we just mentally just drained from it. Oh yeah. So yeah. it's, the, it's the good and bad of that. So I, I was, I really enjoyed, uh, really enjoyed my hour with you. I, I'm looking forward to getting Thank your you. book. Once I read the book, Lizzie, we'll, we'll hop on together and, and we'll talk about, you know, I'll have some notes in the book for sure. You know, when I read, I always kind of highlight and I take notes and I put post-it notes in here so I can go back and look and tell stories about what I've read in the thing. So you'll be my next book on up, up from slavery is almost done. And I've got, uh, you know, 75 hard. This is Sandy. And now you, this is, a, she's a friend of ours here. She's one of my students here at the studio. This is Sandy. She's awesome. Sandy. Uh, Sandy, if you're listening, I want you on in April. She comes from human trafficking. This one, her story. Wow. She is awesome. Sandy That's is I, I, when I have her on my, uh, I, I want her on my podcast. I'll reach out to you later here today. Sandy, as a matter of fact, I was going to do it the other day, but uh, you're next. I, I want her on. <laughs> These powerful women that come on, man, I love it. I think it's important to have them, you, to be the role models for for other females out there. I really enjoyed that. So with that being said, I want to say thank you for, you know, uh, being on the Beyond the Mat podcast with me. I look forward to the next chat that we have. And if you got any final words for us, why don't you let let people know? Why don't you give them, give them some coaching uh, vibes? Absolutely. So if you're in a place of not... Uh, no, if you're, if you're in a place where you feel trapped and you're like, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. You just got to make a decision. Like, listen, I know I don't belong here and I, I need to move forward. And when you make that decision and you say, okay, I'm all in, you don't look back. You just move forward from there. And that's how you're able to separate like what ifs from the past and you only move forward and your lens is forward, not back. You just got to jump. Thank you, coach. That's awesome. 
All right. Enjoy your day. Lizzie, if you could just hold the phone once we get broad, just hold on just for a brief second after we after we uh, break here. I got one quick question for you. I want to say thank you for everybody that's listening. Sandy wrote out to you that you're awesome, Lizzie. Amazing work you're doing. Thank you. You'll, you'll, she'll be a good match. You'll you'll enjoy her. She's awesome. She's got funny TikToks, too, and she's got some hilarious TikToks out there. <laughs> Have you done the TikToking thing yet? Uh, my main platform's on Instagram. It, I I uh, kind of like blew up over the last few weeks. So but I'm on TikTok a little bit, but Instagram's my main platform. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, we thank you for your time, Lizzie. Hold the phone just thank for a you. second. Okay. Let me end broadcast. You've been listening to Real Talk with Mark Cox. Real life, real topics, real conversation. We're passionate about motivation, fitness, self-defense, weight loss, and coming at it from a real angle. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you had fun. We know we did. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on Instagram and Facebook at MarkCox100. Make sure to subscribe and review. And tell a friend or two about the show. For more, hit up the website at MarkCox.com. Till next time, keep it real.